0: What's up guys? This is Corey Baker from Baker Forging Tool. In my business, we do tons of heavy grinding every single day, and we needed a grinder that could take abuse and keep on trucking without slowing down billet production. On top of all of this, their customer support is outstanding. Eric and Kevin are always available and fast to help with any situation. If you're in the market for a top-of-the-line grinder, or maybe just an accessory to add to your existing setup, go to marybraid.com and use the code HUSTLE100 for 100 bucks off any grinder package. Alright, next up, the Hustle & Grind Podcast.
1: What's up, everybody? We're back again for another super fun special edition episode of Hustle and Grind. I'm your host, Ryan Chaborn Knifeworks, here with Noah from the Enneat River Forge. And we got the man, the myth, the rooster legend, <laughs> Jason Knight, back on again.
2: How's it What's going, up, Jason? I'm doing great. Yeah, I have a rooster in my yard and a turkey, and they're both males, so they're facing off a little bit right now it's pretty funny I, th-
1: <laughs> I think the last time you were on we we he was a guest also i'm no, pretty he's sure
2: an ass i don't know why <laughs> he's always i had to run him off with the airsoft gun in a minute here <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's okay
2: uh,
3: so, so last time you were on here we we touched on uh a little bit of Oh my gosh, yeah, he's he's got a freaking AR-15 style airsoft gun he's shooting a chicken with right now. This is great.
2: I'm not shooting him. Just...
3: Oh. Oh, it's for full the, for... auto,
1: too. I've, I want one of those so bad. <laughs> Th-
3: those of you that are listening to the audio-only version of this podcast are missing out right now. <laughs> this is some quality content right here.
2: He just a jerk. I got to teach him a lesson, you know. He's...
3: Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: C'est la vie. <laughs> those uh, right. those
1: airsoft guns look so fun. Is that one battery powered?
2: Yeah, it's a G and G. My friend Dr. Dan Moynihan built it for me. I got it in the mail. I'm gonna end that dude in a minute. I'm telling you. What. <laughs> so he he said, "Hey, I sent you a package," and he put an illuminator on there and a special trigger. And he took it to the guy who works on their guns, and he put a bigger motor in it. So I don't want to get hit with it. I've been shot with them. This one's bad news. This one is pain and misery. So it'll bust bottles and cans like, like, Jeez. Oh, it's oh, wow. Like 475 feet per second. It's pretty gnarly
1: for an airsoft. Absolutely. The little plastic pellets to break a bottle.
2: Yeah. The gun's metal. The whole gun's made out of metal. Dang. That's it, awesome. I've shot a lot of full auto and I'm going to say it's, a lot of fun to shoot it because it's almost free to shoot it. The pellets are cheap and then you can just have fun and shoot bottles and cans and at nighttime you cut the illuminator on. It looks like a laser gun shooting out there. So it's fun. I haven't grown up yet, you know. Some people say, Hey, where did you grow up? Where did you grow up? I was like, I ain't done.
3: Wait, were we supposed to grow up by now? I hope not. Yeah, I've I, I, I shot a full auto once before and I I think I went through about a hundred dollars in 20 seconds
2: something like that it's pretty brutal brutal don't take long
1: (laughs) no even a semi-auto don't take long
2: no
3: no you slap a 30 round mag on there and then you're just blowing through money
2: Yep, yep. the problem with the
3: the full auto is the muzzle rise if you're not used to it that it you're not really you're not really shooting all that accurately
2: yeah some of them are uh so we can talk about that real quick if you want. Sure, we're here to talk about whatever. So some some full auto is intended for just suppression fire, and some full auto, like a like a belt fed machine gun that you can mount on something, dude. You can lay some stuff out with that. It's, they're crazy. They don't move. They, you got them logged in, and they're, you're on it. But when you have like a rifle caliber, like a an AR and AK, that's full auto. It's not really intended to be shot that way, and. Uh, but like little sub guns, you can like an MP5. You could get that on something and just and write your name on it. It's super. cool. <laughs> they all have their different intentions, and they're fun to shoot. They're all fun to shoot.
3: Or you could draw a dick on something with a with a full auto weapon. Yep. <laughs> Shout out to a previous episode there. If anybody caught that, but yeah, I was shooting a, an M249, and man, that thing just. You just touch that trigger and it's just raising right up. That thing yeah. is uh, a beast. Yeah, those,
2: those rock and roll. That's that's a serious. That's a serious
3: gun. So where are you shooting full autos at? Because I know you have to have some
2: some special uh, permitting to to be able to have those. Well, you can shoot them. I mean, in Tennessee, you can shoot anywhere if you own one and you have the paperwork for it. You know, you got to get a. You got to have a class and all kind of other stuff you know you have your special permit to own one and buy one but i don't own one they're too expensive just to buy one now but we built right we built some ak's out at rifle dynamics me and tiger lily did in uh las vegas
4: mm-hmm. really cool
2: and uh sh- she did not come to shoot day she built her rifle and then me and shelly went to shoot day and then we shot everything that they they had all kind of ak variants you know so that was a lot of fun but that that was fun and then i've shot i took a H h and k class a long time ago when i was a kid i shot a lot of styre Ogs. this was back between the i was 17 18 19 and um I, it was just there's a different there was a long time ago so it was like 89 90 91 and um I was in a, a interesting place to be able to go do it, <laughs> so I would always take upon that opportunity to go shoot when I could. Uh, it's cool.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, it totally depends where you live because you could drive four hours south of me, not be able to own half the stuff that I've owned in my life. You know, go to a different state; laws are totally different.
2: Yeah, this is the free state of Tennessee. <laughs> Texas is similar. North Carolina is not terrible. Um, I've got a friend who's got a gun room that would, oh, man, it's mind-paralyzing. This guy's a knife maker, too, but uh, his gun room is crazy cool. <laughs> it's just <laughs> the coolest thing I've ever seen. Like it's a hard work residue. When I walked in there, and I'm like, man, this is hard work residue right here. Nah, it's a lot of hard work to acquire some guns like that.
3: That's nice. awesome. Yeah, they're they're. Kind of, I don't know exactly what uh, what exactly they're doing right now, but there's some stuff here in Washington coming down the pipeline that's not going to be good for a lot of gun purchasing, shall we say. So I'm not looking forward to that, but who yeah, knows? Maybe T- Tennessee might be in my future. You never know. They've
1: tried here, and it always fails.
2: Uh, Maine is pretty cool about being like, nope, ain't going to happen
1: not when it comes to the second amendment yeah we're like yep yeah no you can't how Uh, could you every every household in this entire state has multiple guns in it everyone uh, everyone it's
2: i think it's always an interesting threat you know it's a strange threat and i don't know i uh the country that we grew up in probably isn't the one that we were told uh does that make sense it's, yeah. Not, yeah. it's not the place where we imagined it to be, but we'll see. I love my country, and I just don't understand what's going on here now. It's real strange. But it always has been, I guess, you know, really. You know, it's probably always been strange. We're just partaking in a different time.
3: Yeah, it's it's kind of difficult sometimes to remember that it really does take all kinds. And uh, anytime I, I see a, an individual on the street where I just don't really like – I don't really understand where you're coming from. Like you're kind of, you know, like somebody just kind of like looks, looks weird or looks, you know, a different, they, they clearly live in a different world than I live in. And I just, I just tell myself, yeah, takes all kinds,
2: you know? It takes all kinds, yeah. And yeah, none of that ever bugs me. I don't mind. Uh, I'm down for it. Do whatever. Just don't try and take it away from me. You know what I mean? Don't, if you, you know, you have your, I just think there's certain things that, yeah, you have the freedom. Johnny, I'll quote Johnny Cash like this: it's like, "You have the freedom to burn the flag if you want to, and a lot of people will support your freedom to do that. But don't surprise. Be surprised when you get your ass stomped for doing it. You know, that's the both <laughs> sides of the <laughs> coin. So there's things you can do, a lot of stuff, but that don't mean you should do it. And that goes for a lot of a lot of ideas and whatever.
3: That's uh, I, I have a a certain set of philosophical rules that I've lived my life by and and the first one is never assume um but rule number 3 is just because you can doesn't mean you should and I learned that from uh believe it or not from the first Jurassic Park uh oh yeah w- w- when he, he's like oh you're, you're your scientists were so preoccupied with the you know the fact that they could do they never thought stopped to think of whether they whether or not they should do it and <laughs> and And I mean, I, I've, I've kind of just let that influence my entire life, you know, just because you can, doesn't mean you should.
2: Yeah, that's right. That's, that's a good one. I like that one a lot too. Well, so uh, one of the, oh, go ahead. No, you guys go ahead. I like that camouflage chair you're sitting in. Thank you. (laughs) You were the
3: first guest. This is my podcasting chair. Uh, so since I started doing the podcast, I had to start doing it in my basement, and my wife wanted to get rid of a couch that was down here. And she's like, "Well, if I get rid of the couch, can I just buy you a chair instead for your your podcast?" And I was like, "Yeah, but it's got to be a wingback chair, and it's got to be leather or you know something else cool." And she immediately found me this camouflage one, and I'm like, "Yep, that's it—a camouflage I like it. wingback <laughs> chair. I'm down."
2: I like it. Yeah, that's thank true. you. That's very so good. yeah. I, I have this speaking of camouflage. All right, I know we're going to get into some but what's your favorite camouflage pattern?
3: Oh, that's tough. For the longest time, it was um real tree Oh, shoot, I can't remember. AP green I think is what it was. Um but recently I just got this ah uh, shoot, what is it? This most recent camo that I have, it's, it's kind of like, it's, it's a digital camo and it, it really blends in a lot better to the colors in the area that I hunt with. And it's, it's not, it doesn't have like specific leaves. It just has, you know, just this broken up pattern and the colors just blend a lot better to the, the landscape that I've been hunting recently. So I can't remember the name of it, but that's, that's probably my favorite right now.
2: Uh, Well, practically I agree with you. I like those breakup (laughs) patterns and there was one called Predator one time. There's a lot of good-looking ones, and they work real well. But, like, my favorite classic pattern just for, because I think it's cool, is the Tiger Stripe.
3: mm mm-hmm. um,
2: The Vietnam era. I found a pair of vintage Tiger Stripe um, pants, like issue stuff. from the It was from the late 70s, early 80s, and happened to fit me. And I looked some up on eBay, and they're like 500 bucks. And the lady's like, I want $15 for them, but I could give them to you for 12 And I'm like, I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> so I'm trying to nice. get this company, L.C. King, to make some shirts. They make this with sleeves. I cut them off. But I was like, I want you guys to do a shirt, like a short sleeve with tiger stripe. It would be hot. You'd sell them super fast. But
3: God, I'm so excited for sleeveless season. I, I wore my first sleeveless <laughs> shirt of the season yesterday, and I was so freaking excited because I hate sleeves. So I hate I- sleeves. I hate sleeves. I just got to get it a little bit warmer and then I can get rid of the sleeves for the rest of the year. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. That's why I wear vests in the winter because it's, it's, it's like a sleeveless shirt, but you still got something <laughs> underneath to keep you warm. Ryan, what's I'm your a, favorite camouflage?
1: Uh, I'm a real, uh, real tree woodland is pretty similar to the forests around
2: here. Yeah. But. Yeah, I, I they usually... made a lot of great patterns. Real tree yeah. and mossy oak. They did some really great patterns.
1: I'm not an active camo wearer, though. I don't hunt. I feel bad when I kill stuff. I'll eat it, but I feel horrible when I shoot it.
2: Yeah, I like to eat it, but I don't know if I'll ever shoot turkeys again because number one, wild turkeys taste terrible. And yep. I got a pet turkey named Charlie, and he's super sweet. <laughs> so I'm probably not going to turkey hunt for a while until I can get over it. <laughs> we
3: got we got ducks a few years back, and I have not been duck hunting since. It, it just ruined it for me. I'll
2: still duck hunt because I've never shot a wood duck. I've shot at thousands of them, but I've never hit one. So <laughs> I don't have any problem with that. It's like, I'm not going to kill one anyway. I'm just shooting at them. It's fun. So. Yeah.
3: I love shoot. And that's the thing. It's like I've always loved trap shooting and skeet shooting and stuff like that. And so then you just add that extra element in of like you know being able to harvest something and actually get some meat out of it. And so duck hunting for me was so much fun. But yeah, yeah then we got ducks and it just ruined it for me. Yeah, bird like hunting's duck. super popular here.
2: Yeah, that's cool. yeah. A duck, a duck is like a flying steak to me. Duck tastes like steak. I think duck. Is oh, so good. Awesome yeah i think it's really good so um i don't want to like hog anything but i was going to ask you guys what you have been making over the winter
3: well ryan you go ahead um
1: usual some custom orders chef knives the bulk batches of cleavers that i've been doing um but i did make a ninja star the other day
2: oh that's fun yeah i like it that reminds me So I've got some of these like this, but they came from the 80s when I was a kid. And uh, they were made in Taiwan, and AJ gave me a whole pile of them. AJ's my business partner from uh, Tactical Elements. He's like, you ever seen these? I'm like, these are like the coolest ones they made. They were like dangerous sharp. Everything else was just cut out trash, but it was like that one that you made. It was really cool.
1: This thing, I underestimated how much penetration 1095 will get. You know, because, like, all I've ever had in my entire life are the cheap Chinese ones, you know, that wouldn't yeah. stick into anything. And then I made this one, and I put it a hole through my garage door. <laughs> yeah, sinks into 5-H drywall like it's nothing.
2: Yeah, I bet.
1: I'm going to make a few more. It's They're a pain to grind, though.
2: Yeah. I was at a museum, and I saw it was a really big shirk, and it was about... I'm going to say it was six inches from point to point, but it was four stars. Like if you threw that at somebody and hit them, they'd, they'd be stuck, man. They'd be, they'd be <laughs> they, they would be bad. They would be
3: not having a good time for sure. No,
2: it'd be really bad. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, what else have you been
3: making Ryan other than ninja stars? Um,
1: oh, I made this last night. I was bored. I didn't, sometimes I don't want to work on my projects. Like I know I need to work on something, but I can't bring myself to work on my projects. And I, I have snapped, no idea what
3: that looks like.
1: I snapped the head off my hatchet, so I like reprofiled it and put it oh, on. Oh,
2: nice! I like it. That looks Very sexy. Cool. Before I could make, before I understood heat treating or anything, I would get axe heads and I'd take a torch and I'd cut them so that I made them. I cut them so they look like what I imagine. Oh, this is what a battle axe looks like. Oh, uh, so
3: okay. Sh- sh- yeah. I forged out like a tomahawk head one time, and I still haven't finished it, but I really want to. That'd be a lot of fun. I need something yeah. else to throw.
2: I don't think i talked to you guys since I explored the whole rasp tomahawk concept. No. Uh, no. They're garbage. No matter how you make them, they're trash. <laughs> so, so what I did was I took my friend Dave came up with this great formula for folding them and rolling them over I was like ah that's great he said now listen they're only good for throwing they ain't good for nothing else I'm like all right. I was like I want to figure this out so I made them man I made like 40 of them and um they were fun we throw them out at the shop I got a bunch of handles and we throw them but like no matter what I did they were just I'm just like I just don't like them like I just don't like them even if the profile was cool like that one looks cool but it's still a rasp. I don't like it. <laughs> so I mean, I know it's I know some people will see a rasp knife and go, Wow, you made that out of a rasp. That's so cool. It's it it's nostalgic for some people. I don't know why. Like railroad spike knives, the truth be told, you could become a millionaire making knives by making railroad spike knives. It's super simple. But is that what you want your progeny to be? Do you want to be like, oh, that's the railroad spike guy? And he'd be like, yes, <laughs> I'm a millionaire knife maker. Also jumps. chumps. I just can't do it. But like I figured the formula out one day. I was like, you can make and sell $1,000 worth of these things a day and then teach somebody how to do it really easy and pay them $300 a day and have a whole crew of them just spitting them out, spitting them out. They don't have to be hard. They don't have to be past 36. People throw 100 bucks at that all the time. And um I just can't do it. I was like, I can't do
3: it. I don't want to don't I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, I don't I don't understand the the rasp fascination. So I'm sorry if I'm pissing off any of our listeners here because I know people really love the rasp the rasp knife or the like you're saying the railroad spike. My first knife was a railroad spike knife because it was super easy. Yeah, uh, super easy. But uh yeah, I just I've never had the inclination to bust out a rasp and make a knife out of it. It's just, there's something about it It just doesn't appeal to me.
1: I don't know why. I made yeah. a Santoku out of a massive farrier's rasp, but it was because that's what the customer wanted. They wanted the knife
3: made out of a rasp. So They wanted something for their food to get stuck in on the sides of the knife? Yeah. Uh, it was full <laughs> flat, so there was like
1: a little bit of pattern on one side, and the other yeah. side was smooth. Oh, okay. All right. uh, I'm just flipping you shit I
2: know I, Ed, I, I think that's funny
1: <laughs> I uh, you know I'll make what they asked for He, I can't remember why he wanted it out of a rasp like maybe his dad had horses or something I don't know
2: No, because he, he couldn't buy one of Chelsea Miller's and he wanted one. He wanted you to make one for him instead. <laughs> Chelsea's. Good for her. I mean, she was sponsored by Budweiser one time. I don't know if you guys know who I'm talking about, but. I wasn't
3: about to start throwing names down while we were shit talking about no, a no, type of knife, good. but. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead.
2: I mean, like I said, good for her. It's pretty cool, but like, I. It's one of those funny things. You're right. If you touch on certain subjects, boy, people will lose their mind. You know what I mean? And I don't care anymore. I just let people talk. I don't, I don't correct anybody when I'm at a show or whatever, you know, I have people come to my shop all the time and I go, you know what you could do? You know what you ought to do? You ought to charge, you ought to make a cheap knife and do some really things. So you could do a lot less expensive classes. You'd have some people come in here and I'll take your classes. I'm like. Hey, that's cool, man. I think that's a good. I'll take that into consideration. I appreciate that.
3: I'll take that uh, into consideration. Like, the uh, I, The very yeah. politically correct term for your yeah. opinion means nothing to me.
2: Yeah, let me circle back on that one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. No, I I don't mind it. I just don't. I'm not engaging into. All right, this is a great one. You can engage into a debate on subject matter, whatever it is, with people. If they have the intelligence level to debate the subject, whether they think it's right or wrong or care about it one way or the other, like outer space aliens, whatever, um, and the outcome is, a deb- is like, oh, we're discussing it, but like I don't have a clue, so it's okay to talk about it. But when you get to that point where you begin to argue your point, I'm like, uh, come on, man, it's, not, it's no like... There's not a lot of information behind these things, and it's fun to talk about, but I'm not going to get aggravated about it because I got interest in other areas that I am (laughs) an expert in, and this is not one of them, and neither are you because I I think most people just hear something and then they believe it forever. But until you read and you research and you find out some truths – it's really not you're not able to engage in a you can engage in a discussion. But you can't engage in a debate honestly unless you really studied and you want to learn. And then that other person may have information you don't know and say, Hey, go look this up, go read this, go check this out, go think about this. Okay, cool. And you won't walk away being aggravated. You walk away going, Wow, that was that was great. But it's rare it's more rare nowadays and I think it always has been the case where um I don't know what the percentage of the population is, but I would say most people are naive. And so, you know, you've experienced this. Hey, did you see on Facebook where so-and-so-and-so did this? I'm like, I don't believe that. Right off the kick. It it was on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I don't care. Hey, everything
3: on the Internet is true.
2: (laughs) Wouldn't that be be awful?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No, I know exactly what you're talking about, though, because you get into these discussions with people and they, you know, they everyone enters a, a debate or a discussion with preconceived notions and and they have, you know, their life experiences that they're basing everything off of. And and whether it's experiences or just things that, like you're saying, they, they've always hold, held to be true. I was having a discussion one time with somebody uh, about evolution and we're I like to take different sides of arguments or not arguments about discussions and debates because I like to keep an open mind. I like to play devil's advocate because it's fun. And, uh, you know, I like to just have interesting conversations. And I was, you know, talking about the Galapagos islands and we're talking about evolution and stuff. And the person that I was talking to, didn't know the difference between micro and macro evolution.
2: Weird, right?
3: And I walked away. I was like, Well, we yeah. can't continue this discussion. Sure. We can't we can't we can't keep debating something if we're not even talking about the same thing. You you sure. you, you we're, we're we're starting from a, a premise that that one of us understands and the other one doesn't. So we're we're just done.
2: Exactly. Someone they don't have a pla- they don't have anywhere to hold their ground on to have a, a like a learning discussion, you know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. Yeah, that's a key. That's a great key. Do you know what macro and uh, micro and macro? Do you understand the second laws of thermodynamics or any of the laws of thermodynamics? So those make it an interesting talk. I have a, a friend and he's brilliant and I really love him and he's um he's an orthopedic surgeon and he believes a certain thing because that's what they taught him in school and it makes sense to him and I get it, but like. I don't buy it, but I have reasons why I don't buy it. And it's okay. We don't have to agree on that. and We don't have to argue on it. and We don't have to be angry with each other on it. I just think I know why he believes it. In a way, uh, you have to believe a certain thing when you're indoctrinated into a certain culture. Yeah. But in another way, (laughs) when you start going like, all right, here's a great example. Conservative. Um, liberal, Democrat, Republican. There's more. I mean, of course, there's more, but like these are the these are the basic four that we're faced with. And so, someone says, "Well, what are you?" I'm like, uh, "I'm not from your time. I don't really <laughs> like. I'm happy to discuss." And now, and my wife always convinces me to vote. So, okay, I'm gonna vote, but I have a different thought on these things which doesn't make a lot of sense to people. And so I realize I have a a George Carlin point of view on certain subjects. Uh, There's a special club. There we go. Guess what? You ain't in it. You ain't in it. (laughs) You don't want to be. So some of it is fun to discuss. And sometimes you can be convinced and you will start to do your own research and start going, gosh, now if this is true, I might lose a lot of friends if I say what I think about it. So that becomes interesting subject matter, no matter what you're talking about. And I, I think it's great. But you, you're right. You have to leave the conversation when someone is arguing from a point of arrogant ignorance. And I don't think ignorance look good on anybody. Ignorance doesn't look – it's disgusting on anyone. When you're ignorant on a subject that you want to argue and you don't know what you're talking about, then you can't do it. Doesn't how that look how makes
1: – that's what makes aliens so fun because because nobody knows everybody knows it could be anything. <laughs> yeah. It is complete conjecture. Everybody's full of shit. <laughs> it
2: It is all conjecture. That's true.
4: Um,
3: well, speaking of, okay, well, we're let's, let's get into that. But Ryan, uh, let's hear from one of our sponsors first so that they can, they can sponsor this alien talk
1: in honor of Jason's Turkey. We'll go with maritime knife supply. <laughs>
4: Hustle and Grind is sponsored by Maritime Knife Supply. Whether you're looking for steel, abrasives, handle material, forges, epoxy, or anything for making in general, Maritime Knife Supply has you covered. And in the U.S. or Canada, they ship faster than the great Cobra Chicken Gooses that their country is known for. Go to <laughs> Maritime Knife Supply, and when you buy a 10-pack of belts, get 10% off. And tell them we sent you, Eh? Eh? Hey?
3: Hey.
1: thanks Luke that's Luke from crafty man forge everybody crafty with a K crafty. He does a, hey, yeah.
2: maritime is on which side of the continent
1: they're right above me so they're north northeast
2: oh but that you know those are Irish they don't say a up there do they
1: no they're uh French or Irish yeah
2: French and Irish yeah interesting yeah. Because my friend's here. He's from there. He lives up in Nova Scotia. And he's like, like, nah. everybody's from Ireland. My wife's from Ireland. It's like, all right, that's kind of cool.
1: We're like, uh, uh, my dad's side of the family actually immigrated from Ireland to here. And uh, it's because we're the shortest point across the Atlantic from Ireland. Like, you come across Ireland and we're the closest. So.
2: I, they you know won't. what's great? If you think about it, like everywhere. It's like, this is where they wanted to, they didn't know what to do with our people. So they stuck them in places in America. Like, well, nobody wants to be there. Let's put them over there. <laughs> My family is one of the, I don't know, probably one of the oldest Irish families in America. The Knights have been in the area I grew up in since 1690, 1710. And then my grandma's family is Kennedy, Kennedy, not Kennedy, but Can like Canon Kennedy. But it's interesting. Always You guys'
3: families have been here longer than mine. Mine just came over because of a, a short, angry dude with a mustache.
2: Oh yeah, that bastard.
3: Yeah, yeah.
1: The Chadborns that like my knife making is named after. It's my middle name. They got here 1650s.
2: That's cool. Wow.
1: Yeah. They were the first sawmills built in the United States were built by my family.
2: Gosh, you know what that means, right? What? We're Americans. Yeah. <laughs> because that was before this was a country.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: That's cool. I didn't think about yeah. that.
2: Yeah. I like to think about that too. I, it's a funny subject. Wow. Um, I got some crazy ones, but they're so so controversial. I don't generally talk about them. and i probably get in well, a lot of trouble for doing it. Because well, I grew well, up in South Carolina.
3: We could talk about that on the after show. The after show yeah. is, is our, our patron supporters only, so it's a safe space.
2: Oh safe space?
4: <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> well that's cool. You so, got
1: uh you got this the, this or that questions lined up.
2: I
3: I got some. They're not very good, but I'm gonna we'll just roll with it anyways. So, uh, for our guests, I, I started lining up some, some this or that questions just to kind of fast paced, rattle off some questions towards our guests and and you can pick between the two. So we'll, we'll bust through these if you don't mind. All right. Morning or night.
2: Uh, both. (laughs) It, it all depends on where the moon is. This is off to a great
3: start. <laughs> yeah, it, it all really, the truth is, is it has to
2: do with where the moon is. So, on the full moon, night. On the, you know, when there's no moon, morning.
3: All right. Kukuri or Bolo?
2: I'm going to go with Barong, which is kind of a combination between both. And I want to <laughs> explain myself because a, a Bolo is from the Philippines kind of from the Negritos and the Barong is also from the Moro Philippines. And I feel like the, it's like a straightened out Kukri. So like, I really like Kukri's and they look good when you stylize them a bit, but so far as yet, I haven't got anybody to pick up on either one of those two other ones, even though I like them a lot, you know, they just, anyway, I see end for that. <laughs> is the glass half full or is it half empty? Uh, for me, it's always half full uh it all depends on what's in it too like <laughs> fill it, fill your sixteen ounce pint glass with whiskey and see what happens next <laughs>
3: <laughs> I'm about to give up on this uh moderately done damascus or quality mono steel?
2: quality mono steel,
3: hot or iced ooh, coffee. Ooh.
2: You know, I'm gonna tell you, some of these I'm like cool with both. Like I'm a, I'm gonna be um, buy on some of these subjects like hot or iced coffee. <laughs> I'm bi coffee. No, so, no, I th- just th- made th- an iced coffee. Other. Yeah, you, you got to pick okay. one, man. For you one can't time limit. Of day. You
1: can't limit greatness, Noah. You stop. Just let him go. <laughs> you want me to pick?
2: You want me to choose a thing that I can't be defined by? And when people ask one or the other, like I'm going to define this person with, oh, you're one of those people. Well, I generally don't drink hot coffee after 11 a.m. because it makes me grumpy. Unless it's iced coffee with whiskey in it. So there. <laughs> There's your answer, Your Honor. <clears throat> You ever, I'm gonna break up into this. You got there's a great interview. There's a courtroom attorney, and he's questioning little Wayne, and, and the, the judge already loves him. I could tell because he, you know he's clever. He's like, ah, next question, please." And the guy asked him, "Was like, so uh, do you recall being in so and so and so a so certain place?" He goes, mm, "I'm a superstar. Do you know what that means? And that means people schedule that for me. So I don't really know exactly where I was on that ne- date. So next question." And then he would be like, "That's a stupid ass question, Your Honor. Do I have to answer that question? No. Okay, <laughs> next question. So, <laughs> it's funny. You gotta watch it. But I'm happy to answer the questions. I just have to answer them my way. Okay. All right. <laughs> Noah B. Esquire. <laughs> <coughs> <laughs>
1: this is See if the I best. Get to- this <laughs> is we've ever had.
3: Oh my gosh! Uh, reality shows or documentaries?
2: Uh, they're both fake, so I'm gonna go with documentaries. <laughs> <laughs> I would take oh, the least oh. fake of the two fake options, only because I worked on a reality show one time. Did you really? Yeah, I never heard of it. I, nev- I a, never, I haven't heard that. That's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it was a game <laughs> show. <laughs> it was a game show. It was a game show. Oh, okay. Yeah, if right you don't on. like game shows, then you might have not seen this. <laughs>
3: Was it a... Never mind. I'm going to leave that one alone. <laughs> uh, I, I I hope the listeners know, know what we're getting out there. Um, would you pause time or rewind time? Oh,
2: pause. I like pause. I like pause. Yeah, pause time. That'd be cool.
3: Guacamole or salsa?
2: Guacamole.
3: Would you rather have a farm with no shop or would you rather be in the city with the best shop?
2: Can I pick which city? Yeah, of course.
3: It just has to be okay. a big city.
2: Yeah, it would be. Uh, it would be San Antonio with the best shop.
3: All right, there we go. I had some others, but we're just gonna we're just gonna leave it there. I think that's a good place to end it.
2: All right. Cool. So- Bye. <laughs>
3: <laughs> So but before we get off the questions here, so we uh, so recently we've been trying to uh, give some more uh, opportunities for our, uh, our patrons, our, our people that support us through Patreon to interact with the show. And so we put it out there uh, for our Patreon listeners to be able to submit questions for the people that we uh, have on the show. So actually I was talking to somebody um, just last night who you're actually familiar with uh, Brigham Kendell, and he has a two part question here. And it, he actually uh, it's for all of us, um, but also to you. So Brigham also
2: uh, has my phone number too. So just so you know, he, so, so, so he could have just called you and asked me this. <laughs> he just called me, but it ain't his way. <laughs> Brigham's awesome. We love
3: Brigham. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> excuse me question from Brigham what is your next planned tattoo and do you have any that you regret
2: um I don't have any I regret but I have some that I might have changed a little bit or argued more when I was so I'm elaborate I have a new I have some other ones planned find someone you really like and then anything they'll do will be great. Anything they do, yes. they'll you'll like it. But when you're just kind of like, hey, 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 um, so then I want this this Kraken thing. Like I don't know why. I just think it'd be cool to have. Like it's pulling an ancient ship down underground. It's the Kraken. It's like I think that'd be kind of cool. Why I don't know. I just like it. Or I have an idea for. I want one of these really old. Um, I got to handle a lot of old Viking swords in the Metropolitan Museum, and I'm like I kind of want to tattoo one of these old rusty swords. Oh yeah, like- I do have some regret. So the guy who did this one, my my Myrtle, Bonnie, um, Hazel one, he's not a good tattoo artist, and uh, <laughs> he doesn't really give a shit about it either. Oh and I man! I realized that after I got that one. I'm like you're really bad at this. Like, at least he spell the names right, you know, but, and my favorite one I got is this one right now. This is the newest one. It's like a wolf with a war bonnet. We probably talked about this. This was done in Bozeman. My friend JP, who's a knife maker. You should have him on your podcast. JP money, big daddy razor. He'd be a great, great podcast because he's a maker who went from like, Hey, I'm making knives. What do you think? I'm like, eh, to, I'm like, Ooh, I want one because he just—he figured it out. He's an artist. He's got hand skills, and he figured out what he wanted to make. So he's got his own style, like boom, like that, and that's yeah. cool. When you get recognized, JP Money, yeah. All right. Yeah, you'll 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 enjoy having a podcast with him if he can if he'll do it. He's a good dude. I uh, drive to
3: Montana for a good tattoo.
2: Yeah, he's good. He's good. I need you, Ben
3: Ryan. What about you, man?
1: oh i don't know dude (laughs) i'm coming you don't you you don't plan tattoos
3: do you (laughs) they just happen well
1: we've got a few now that are in the works because we'll i'll come up with something or he'll come up with something and be like how about this and i'm like yeah so we've got like four or five like i want an old school yoda yeah Like, like the jim henson original yoda not like the cartoony ones right uh going to do a galaxy. I want a full color cartoon Scrooge McDuck.
2: Money 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 money. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: That was way before Mr. Krabs. That's cool.
1: Yeah.
3: Um and what about the uh, the goose with the mullet? Are you going to get that one?
2: Oh, I suppose I could. You know, the mullet on that note. The mullet is the Tennessee state haircut
3: is that actually official
2: yeah and i don't know if you guys have noticed where you live is it coming back
3: yeah i had uh, one
1: up until about a year ago
2: yeah it's cool it's like in full effect here like girls and guys get it all the time here it's kind of cool <laughs> i'm like where's the z28 you ain't got a z28 you ain't got full effect going on here <laughs> my, my, uh, my my logo I, 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 is I,
1: I, the, my logo is the swan because that's what the Chadborn family wax stamp was when they immigrated here back in the day. So I had a what?
2: swan with a Tennessee waterfall. <laughs> 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 that's dope. Oh, right, man. cool.
3: Yeah, I, li- I live in a very small town, so there are men and women here who have mullets. It's I like it just the way it is. I like what it, had it a-
2: says is America.
3: Yeah, I, I had a coworker who had a Z twenty eight, and he he grew a mullet just so that he could have it while driving that car.
1: Speaking of the Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, isn't the Blue Tick Coonhound the Tennessee State Dog?
2: I don't know, but I know what the Tennessee State Rifle is. What is it? The Barrett fifty. Nice. Oh, officially, yeah. it is. It is officially. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what it is. The Blue Tick Coonhound. Um, could be. Could
3: be speaking of uh, small time makers that kind of went big. Cause I mean, he basically built that rifle in his garage with what he had. And then it turned into that huge company, the Barrett 50 Cal. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Cool story. It's I love
2: those. List. I love those stories. Like I like his, I like Marfione Microtech. I love his story. Um, they're, they're great because you start with an idea and it expands into a kingdom and my two things i would say is like no matter what you respect the maker and their work and they went somewhere that we can all be grateful for because they paved some ways so that's a cool thing when you see when you see some makers do stuff like that it's like man they made that easier for me because they paved a way to make it recognized. It's like, this is important. This is something cool. And yeah, they're expensive. So it's all good for us. You know, as makers, we can, we can say, Hey, this is good.
3: Josh Smith, another good example of that with his uh, oh, yeah, Josh. knife company. Yep.
2: Yep. That's true. That's a
3: good Talk one about I, ma- mainstreaming handmade knives. I mean, there's yep. nobody
2: bigger. I don't think right now doing yep. that. I saw Josh a month ago, that yeah, was about a month ago. And we have an event we do called Winter Strong, so it's all the like people like it's a outdoor event. We camp outside, and a lot of I always miss the years that Zach Brown and these other guys come. I just like I go every other year, but I intend to go every year, but I don't. So um, me and Neil Kamimura and um, Lucas O'Hare Grizzly Forge. And, um, there was a couple of the people shut up, but we forged and we had fun and we kind of focused on that this time and just banged out some kukris and, uh, all by hand The Maribraid guys were there. So nice. we had a lot of fun. We had a great time, but, uh, Josh was there and he was kind of promoting his work, which was great. I watched that. I watched that thing go from zero to $3 million, like in two years. I'm like, that is awesome. I love to see that
3: so absolutely yeah he's killing it
2: he's killing it yeah it's it's always good like when you when you see somebody in the community winning like that it's it's important it's important to support them too um they it gets it's a lot of work it's it's the bigger you get the more work it is uh it took a lot of hard work to get there of course but it takes even more work to maintain it and sustain it so that's a good thing hey can we take a pause i'm gonna go we have a pause in here? Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pause. Okay. I'm going to go do something. But I'm, All right. So, my daughter, Tiger Lily, and her fiance, Liam Hoffman. I, I think you guys know Tiger Lily and Liam. Yeah. Um, they are be doing their inaugurating their new location of Night Forge Studio, which is mine, with an integral class. Now, I'm not teaching it, but I'll be there. July 17 through 21, you go to my website to register, Tiger Lily. Tiger Lily will be in this five-day class with a three-day session on the Integral Hunter. She's taking a unique approach to this class. Makers will collaborate with her and make an extra blade to take home. Uh, They'll finish a knife also. During the last two days of class, makers who learn to make Liam... I'm sorry, I said that wrong. I'm dyslexic. (laughs) The last two days, makers will learn to make the Liam's how-to technique for integral hatchets. So they'll make an integral hatchet with Liam, and it's a week-long class at Night Forge Studio taught by Tiger Lily and Liam Hoffman, and the class is limited to eight students. But if anybody wants to find out about it, just go to my website. They can register, and only eight. If we can possibly verify they're humans, that'll be fine, but if they are off-world, it's okay, too. <laughs> on that note i'm gonna take i'm gonna go do something i'll be like give me five minutes i'll be right back no
1: yeah, worries, i'll man. pay go an ad and i'll play an ad and then i'll
0: pause us
2: okay charlie you talk to them charlie there we go all right there we go
4: <laughs> the Muscle oh, and Grind podcast turkey. is sponsored by phoenix abrasives your one-stop abrasive shop when you go to phoenixabrasives.com. Click the shop icon in the upper right-hand corner to find all the abrasives you'll ever need. Check out the Incinerator 36-Grit Ceramic Belts, along with the Trizact Gator Belts that the hosts of Hustle & Grind use every day. When you check out, use code HUSTLE10 for 10% off your entire order.
3: Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Thanks, Luke. We can actually just talk about Phoenix abrasives for a second, because um, just before the show, I was telling Ryan, Phoenix abrasive sells these polishing belts. I don't know exactly what they're called, but I got them in a one of the knife maker kits Um, when I first came on the show and I wanted to try out some of the Phoenix abrasive um, products. uh, I just went ahead and ordered that and it came with all these polishing belts and I don't exactly know uh what exactly they're called on the website but uh they're like a blue polishing belt they come in a few different grits I think I have 1200 and 2000 um and they've got like this really soft felt backing and then I don't even know what they're, they're very flexible but uh i was polishing up the bolsters on a set of knives that i'm doing right now i got a set of eight steak knives that i've been talking about for a while i guess but uh for those of you that are familiar with my knives the, the bolsters just kind of have this real specific angle to the front of them because i like to try and keep it interesting where the blade transitions into the handle and what i was able to do with those blue polishing belts is after I sand, all those, I take the Ameribrade, uh, grinder that I have because everything is so nice and precise. I'm able to run that 45 degree angle on there in the two different angles that I have, and then just swap out, you know, a higher grip belt for that polishing belt. And what it does is it, you know, normally I would take it to a hand. I would hand sand those, the bolsters or the bolster transition, whatever you want to call it, and then buff it on a buffing wheel but it really softens a lot of those edges and stuff when that happens. So being able to just keep it all on the grinder with those polishing belts, it polishes it up beautifully, but it keeps all those edges nice and crisp, everything nice and clean. I'll post a reel uh, of me using these. Um, If anybody's interested, you can check out I'll I'll post a reel of kind of my process of how I'm going about the, uh, the, the whole bolster polishing and, and everything that I, that I do. But using those polishing belts it just keeps everything nice and crisp and it's a lot easier actually it was a whole lot faster because doing a set of eight um i'm not really much of a batch work guy i usually make one knife at a time so having to do repeatable processes and everything like that it just made it a whole lot easier so i'll probably be buying some more of those those polishing belts so check those out when you go to phoenixabrasives.com.
2: what hey tell me about that polishing belt
3: yeah. So I actually got them almost by accident. I bought one of the knife making kits that Phoenix sells and they're like these, I can't, I don't even know what material they are, but they're blue. They've got like this really soft felt backing on them and they're really flexible. And I was using them this morning just for polishing up the bolster transitions before I glue my scales on. And normally I, you know, I would like hand sand that and then take it to a buffing wheel or something like that. But because I had these really sharp angles on that bolster. Just being able to kind of hold them right up against the platen keeps everything nice and crisp, and uh, it polishes up really well. I was surprised, actually, how well they worked.
2: i want to tell you a crazy thing I saw about buffing real quick. All right. You ever seen those, the Microtech Customs that had the mirror finish on the blades? Yeah. Mm-hmm. There is no buffers in the Microtech facility. They're hand-polished. Really? They're hand are, polished? They're hand polished. I'm not kidding you, man. It is the coolest wow. thing I ever saw. I was looking at it and I'm like, you know you buff something sometimes, you bust it's like a smeared, you know what I mean? But like these are like you can see the grain structure in the steel. It's like, whoa, that's sick, bro. It's just badass. I just thought I'd share that. Um Right on, man. So you know, octopuses could be off world. But what would I know about that? I've I've heard that theory.
3: I've also heard that theory.
2: I think it's a hypothesis, but you could call it a theory if you want
0: to. Yeah.
2: <laughs> this is my... Um, you guys ever heard of Anchorage Brewing? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See the resemblance?
1: <laughs> is that so
2: your beer? That's my beer, yeah. Gabe made this beer for me. Gabe Fletcher, who's a knife maker? Anchorage Forge. Um, this guy's... I think he's brilliant. Uh, he just—I was like, perfect timing, and in line to get my to get my beer done. So it was really cool. I was like, and this is one of the two that I have left. <laughs> what kind so, of beer is it? Talk about it. It's a so this is a pretty interesting IPA. He's got some uh, brewed with Strata hops, fermented with hazy Chico yeast, DDH with. Strata Riwanka and Moteca Sub Zero Hop Keefe from Freestyle Hops. I don't even know what that means, but it's six point four percent is one pint. Ryan it's, knows what that means. Keith? It's not it's not too complicated. You know, it's like one of those IPAs that you get, it's like, ooh, that's good. That's like a, and that's the idea for me behind IPAs. I've always liked them. But when these companies, everybody started doing IPAs, they started like, well, let's see how weird we can make it. It's not whiskey. It's not wine. It's beer. Keep it beer. He nailed this, man. He made he kept this beer, which was wonderful. And I, I shared it with people, but they sold it, like, on the West Coast. They went from, you know, Anchorage down to – what's that state down there? California? California. Yeah. yeah, I think he sold them all the first – Week, Jeez. That only did 8,000 cans, but it was cool, man. I was like, what a, what a cool thing. So I hope to have him come up and make a knife with me in my studio, but it was really cool. That's
3: awesome, man. Lots of fun. So, uh, last time you were on the show, you mentioned that you found the idea of extraterrestrial aliens fairly, Unconvincing, and you are more interested in the idea or theory of inter- <laughs> interdimensional aliens. Now that right. we, now that we're here to talk about this sort of thing, can you explain a little bit your theory behind interdimensional beings?
2: Sure. All right. So, um, if you ever read anything in the Old Testament. There's a several places where God's explaining that there's this weird event that happened. And if he's not explaining, somebody else explains it too. But it's like, hey, there's this thing that happened where I had made these special super beings and they knew almost everything I know and they were almost able to do everything I could do. They could even, you know, they could do all this crazy stuff, very powerful, incredibly powerful and eternal. You know, Um, however, one of them decided I'm going to do my own thing because I'm the most powerful. I'm the smartest. I'm the most handsome, the most brilliant. And I'm leaving this joint. He took a, a third of all these super beings with him. And there's interesting descriptions of what this actually means. You know, when you're a kid, you may have the impression that angels are little kids with chubby cheeks and wings, but in every description in the Bible that somebody sees an actual angel, they fall down on their face like they're dead. So angels must be pretty terrifying to see, actually. It doesn't necessarily say they have wings. So I'm going to talk about this fallen angel category just for a moment because this is an idea, okay? I don't know, of course. I'm just saying where I think of this interdimensional or kind of, outside of time and space being maybe you know somewhat to a degree and that's kind of where i'm coming from on that subject that 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 can play into a lot of things that we would see and say wow what is that i don't know it must be you know the alien thing is i don't know how old it is you know but there's carvings that the i don't think the aztecs did them but the the old Mex yes, in the in the um, older you know the older um, cultures did maybe they did too, but it's fascinating. You know what I mean? You Sumerians, them. yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of this stuff. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I think the Aztec one though might be they may be attributed to that, but it was the culture that they replaced. But I don't know. Okay, that's very possible. Yeah. yeah. So it's fascinating, and the idea that these things are coming from outside of our atmosphere, or let's just say outside of time and space, right? Keep
3: right now. So essentially, it's
2: really interesting to me. But to the concept of the, I'll give the other, the, the duality, I guess, is the there's billions and billions and billions and billions of galaxies, and surely somewhere in the past there is a culture, and one of the theories that's promoted by. Hitchens and a lot of these other guys, uh, they're just theoretical physicists, if that, or philosophers. You know, someone seeded Earth billions of years ago, and that's how it became a planet with life on it. And I think that's it's fun, but it's, it's kind of silly based on there's some other things that you can have dis- documentation. You, that carving is a documentation. You know, the Old Testament is a legal historical documentation. So you have a lot of interesting documentation that would play to the idea that hypothetically, and my opinion can change, that the the subject could be, man, this is weird and we don't know what it is. So are they interdimensional? Are they some super beings that were always kind of here? I don't know.
1: It, and it's not. It's not it's not just limited to the old testament cuz even in hindu which is much older over in india they had books like the mahabharata which mahabharata, talks about yeah. which talks about space Spaceships. battles yeah, yeah space battles in the sky over their cities in detail like with pictures and everything like drawn pictures or whatever but so no, it's not just limited that.
2: Yeah. just painted it over them to make them look cooler <laughs> no, okay. yeah.
1: you know um, it, it's global it's everywhere in the world they find like the Sumerians the ancient Sumerians they were where Iraq is today and they believed that they were dumb until gods came down from the sky and taught them to do stuff yeah that's the short and skinny of it but. the
2: book of Enoch says somewhat of the same things like the fallen angels in the book of enoch taught man how to make steel and how to forge weapons and how to mix medicines and all these different things so it's real they're all very they all are very similar to each other's all the tales which i think is cool
3: mm-hmm. so so it, i just to boil down your kind of the way that you approach the subject um i don't want to make it in too simplistic terms but you see you know alien sightings or historical records of you know quote-unquote aliens not necessarily as as extra extraterrestrial beings that exist somewhere in our time and space but outside time and space essentially angels and demons who you know our simplistic idea of, of angels and demons aren't really sufficient to describe who or what they are, but you're essentially seeing that as a potential for, you know, slipping into our time and space and, and out as a, as a way of explaining some of the phenomena.
2: Yeah. We're a, you know, we're a culture right now of people who have always known TV. We've always known entertainment. We've always known movies. Um, People, my grandma's age, you know, when they grew up, there was no such thing as TV. Okay, so in our culture, we're a visually <laughs> stimulated culture, and it, here's a here's a funny example: um, the the native people of North America, the original people of North America, Native Americans. Um, what? What's the origin story? Why is there no. What happened to all of the. If everywhere else on the earth has pyramids and these magnificent structures, what happened to the ones in North America? It's like. It's a a cliche that we're told the story through Western movies and all this other bull, bull crap that I don't think is accurate, but we believe it because we saw it on TV. And so, hey, man, you know what I saw on TV? In 1977, I went to the theater and I saw this movie that ruined my life. It's called A New Hope, Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> Not far after that, I saw Indiana Jones. That also encouraged the ruining of my my. I was like, "I'm doing this. This is what I. This is what I got to do." So, the, my point being is, we're easily influenced because we're naive people, and so. When we're suggested a thing, everyone goes, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, you guys, it's fun to talk with you all about it because, you know, I don't know. And I only have my idea about it. And my idea is barely worthy of a hypothesis. I would consider myself a very amateur scientist. I try to diligently apply the true scientific method, but it's still amateur at best. And I'm just thinking about it, and I'm not any kind of an authority, and nor do I want to be. I just want to enjoy the topic, but um, exactly. that's the fun part. Exactly, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: You ever heard I don't about know anything. The, the mirror that's on the moon that they shoot a laser to and they judge the distance between here and the moon?
1: No.
0: Yeah.
2: You heard about it? Yeah. So my friend Bill, who lives in Winter Harbor, Maine, he gave me a 1948 Harley Davidson, which I hope he lives long enough. I'll go pick it up from him. And for other reasons too, because he's cool, <laughs> but he was a physicist before World War II started, and he joined the army, and they put him in the Air Corps because he was from Nova Scotia, and he wanted to become an American citizen. So that's how he got his citizenship, and uh, he was he became a, a I think it was B twenty seven bomb site, pilot. You know he didn't he he ran the bomb site and said fire, dropped the bombs. But he sat in on lectures that Albert Einstein gave, and he said, oh, that guy was – I'm trying to copy his words. That guy was an idiot. He just made (laughs) up all this garbage. I solved it with an algebra equation the first time I heard it. I was like, that's just trash. (laughs) I think it's great because does anyone understand that equation? No. But we all want to regurgitate and say the theory of relativity, you know what it is? It's an open-ended idea. That's it. Didn't prove anything. Didn't solve anything. Had nothing to do with the nuclear age. Had not, Has nothing to do with that. The idea is there that we will believe whatever we're told because we're a naive people. And the more that we spend our time looking on these and our face glued to it, the more naive we become. So we can't form our own thoughts and our own opinions. Otherwise, they'll be shot down and crushed. So when someone says... I don't I don't know about outer space aliens, but I don't think they're from outer space because I think it's something way more interesting than outer space. Outer space is everything, anything, whatever. But if you think about it being something deeper than that, it's like inner dimensional. Now you're going to have to now you're going to have to deal with it cuz here it is. It's here. Now we all know it's here. Everybody's seen this stuff. It's it's been recorded thousands and thousands of times. So what are we going to do with it? Is it interdimensional? Is it uh, a deception? Is it something that we should embrace? Is it something we should reject? Well, I would say most people say, oh, we would embrace the aliens and greet them in our culture. You never watch those (laughs) Mars Attacks? Come on, you see Mars Attacks? Are you stupid? (laughs) 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 So it's just a way, just thinking about it makes it more fun. And when someone has this, it's like, no argument here. It's just fun talk, you know. It's just crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that. So
3: the the interesting thing about dimension is the the theories that I've heard about space travel, for instance. So the 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 fact that the universe is so large, because it's unfathomably large, there's in theories well (laughs) we don't know the word theory here is going around a lot uh but i was listening to uh someone was actually there's been multiple people who have testified in front of congress about this speaking of naive people uh or generally unintelligent people we can talk about congress uh there's uh multiple people who have testified in front of congress who have eyewitnesses of different you know per se extraterrestrial activity, but the, the theory is, you know, how do they get here? You know, because the, the vastness of space, I mean, there's nothing that we know that exists that can traverse that span in anything remotely, like a, a, a timely manner, like even just to get to Mars, if, if the earth and Mars are in their closest position, it's what nine months. I think it's nine months to get there. And then you have to wait another, what is it? Two years. I think before it's in that two or three years before it's in that same position again. So you got people like Elon Musk that are, you know, considering trying to colonize Mars and everything. And you're talking about sending people there. It takes nine months to get there at the right time at the wrong time. You're, you're talking about, you know, everything's moving, you know, nothing is stationary. Um, yeah, but
1: that's why but- our, our primitive pre P brain technology
3: And that's where I'm getting at. That's what I'm getting at. So, so the, the, the theories behind, you know, actual space travel that's efficient is similar or almost exactly what you would call interdimensional travel, because once you are traveling at a speed faster than what we can understand, you're talking about moving through space and time interdimensionally in order to get from one place in our known universe to another place in the known universe. And so there's a lot there about, and I know nothing about this again, we're talking about, you know, theories and things that I've heard and stuff like that, where you're talking about moving from, you know, place a to B and those places are so vastly apart that you actually have to travel from one dimension to another, even just to get there
2: physically. That's good. And that is what, has been told to us, and, uh, <laughs> and here's the again. thing. So, uh, a theory is an agreed upon hypothesis. So, are they that far away? No one's been I, there, so I don't know. Yeah, and so here's the thing: if you do a quick study about the distance of the sun from the earth, since Taiki Ta. Braho, taiki, taiki, Braho. I can't remember exactly. He was an important player in the astrophysics game back before Copernicus. Uh, They were always trying to calculate the distance, and the distance keeps getting farther and farther away until they agree upon a distance where the sun's this far away. Okay, cool. That's cool. We can see it. We know it's there. We understand that. Uh, We make all kinds of assumptions about what it is. Oh, it's a... It's a a hydrogen gas ball. Well, no one's been there. There's no testing it. There's no, there's a, Michio Kaku, you know who that is? Yep. He's the best example of of astrophysicist who's saying, he says, well, we make it up because we have to. I love
1: him because he's honest.
2: We can't apply the scientific methodology (laughs) to it. Now, this is an interesting thing to me. I got a physics book written by the last three physicists who wrote laboratory style physics. Now, physics is simple. We use physics and in our knife making, whether we know it or not. We're not using calculus so much or we're using geometry. We're using physics. We're using some interesting things that are at play. But uh, when you start thinking about stuff that you that it's intangible to our, our physicality, even to our eyesight, which is incredibly deceiving if you understand the laws of perspective and you've seen stuff, okay? Like I'm looking across my yard now, there's rocks over there. Now, if I go over there with my phone and I show it to you, like, damn, I can see that rock, you know? But right now you can't see it because it's way over there, it's perspective. So I don't know how far away it is. I just find it really interesting when we add one one hypothetical, I'm gonna say a hypothetical theory because that's what it really is. It's an agreed upon hypothesis we call it a theory now we'll accept that and you add that to two or three more and then you come up with a formula that you're presenting to the public the public can't deal with the truth it's this simple what if it's not that far what if it's not that crazy because a physical craft can't travel at light speed it just can't do it Um, they can take a particulate now this is a weird thing they can mm, take – I only know about this because of a gun. There's a gun that does this. They can take these particulates of aluminum or copper and stack them up into this thing and discharge them with electric current. And it's going to do about 30,000 feet per second, which is ridiculous. And if it hits something, it just kind of – it's crazy. But that's a, different, that's a different subject. That's something that's no longer – theory nor hypotheses. this is a weapon this is a designed weapon The guy actually came up with his garage there was an article written about it in popular mechanics or popular science like 25 years ago but that's a thing so but when you start to move something that fast you have friction and you have you have all these things forcing itself upon it it can't withstand it so you have to I don't know if you're going to do that, you'd have to fold space, which is a whole nother fun story. But I'm just talking about what is possible for something that is a let's go back to the fallen angel thing. This is a spiritual being. You guys ever read any C.S. Lewis stuff? Yeah, no. He was brilliant. He was brilliant. J.R. Tolkien and him were buddies, you know, Tolkien. Oh, yes. Lord of the Rings. All right. So they were buddies. They were tight friends. They they pen pals and, and hung out. Drink tea together at 3 o'clock every day. I don't know if that's true, but I made that part up about drinking tea. (laughs) However, there's this thing about if something is forever, let's just say a spiritual thing is forever. There's no mathematical formula for two subjects. This is a weird one. I I studied this a little bit because I was confused about it. Infinity has no mathematical formula for discovering what infinity is. And I forgot what the other one is. But that's one that we, we like to say infinity. You know, we like to say, in, like, the infinity, the loop, the in-k, key, you know what I'm talking about? It's like a loop. Yeah, yeah. So what's fascinating, but there is, a, there is a formula for a beginning and something that doesn't end. That's an interesting one because there is a formula for that. It's like this formula starts, but it doesn't end. It's un, it goes on. So in the idea of a being that's a spiritual being, like one of these fallen angels, it has a beginning, but it doesn't have an ending. So let's say it's more real than something that we know as a brick wall, which is a manufactured or a knife, a manufactured built thing that over time and adding in the second law of thermodynamics, which is, it's going to be breaking down, and degrading and unwinding and coming undone over time, this thing doesn't. It doesn't become undone over time. So if it could walk through that solid brick wall, which one is more real? Mm, Is the wall mm, more mm. real? Is the thing that's more real, more real than the temporary thing? So it's just an idea. And so when you're seeing stuff in outer space and you're seeing physical manifestations of ethereal objects that we don't understand and they're moving through time and space in these crazy manners. people shoot there's thousands and thousands of videos it's real we see them they're true it's real it's not it's no joke it's a thing but our description of them is variable our description of them is still inaccurate because we don't know what we're looking at so we're describing stuff now there are some crazy things that i've seen the did i talk about the tr3b the triangular the delta triangle craft
1: yeah the oh, one the... they said was a helium pocket
2: yeah i seen something those before. like that i've seen yeah yeah twice. we talked but about that last time we're here. yeah those are crazy but like that that can be researched and and some information can be found but like the other one is it's going to be open-ended it's just going to be your opinion man you know what i mean like that's just like your opinion man that's just like <laughs> your opinion man <laughs> so i know that was a lot of talking but so think about it like this and Make it more interesting, because I can tell you, outer space aliens landing in their craft and saying, "Take me to your leader."'s the boringest, dumbest shit I've ever heard of. It's like stupid. It doesn't even make sense these guys are better off than we are they're, i mean come on that's just dumb. they're not better off they're not better than we are we're we're all degrading we're all limited we're all stupid we're all ignorant we're all arrogant we're all pricks you know it's like this is the way it is we we all think we know everything and when these people show us like oh those people look at their stupid clothes how ridiculous that's what everybody says it's a little clickish but i mean like something better. There's something better, but we haven't seen it yet. I don't know what it is, but maybe I do kind of. I, I have a belief in what it could be, but I just feel like, man, it's like this subject could be more interesting if, if the truth gets spoken about it, but it becomes very boring when we relegate it to this simple TV show. They're from outer space and they're smarter than us and they created us billions of years ago. Boring. I told you they came on the backs of crystals. <laughs> I don't know. I like They're the so, predator
1: theory. I'm a big uh, fan like of the predator
2: one. theory. Me too. I liked that one the best.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so I especially like the the one thing you're you're talking about with, you know, what what you know, what's the sun made of and how is the sun, you know, how far we we measure the distance from the sun? And you're, you're stacking up these multiple hypotheses to, to reach this, this end conclusion, because it kind of brings us full circle back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the show, where you're having a discussion with somebody and they're coming to the discussion with their preconceived notions or whatever. And they're starting from a false premise and it's not necessarily a false premise. It's an unknown premise. You're taking these things for granted that you don't know you haven't seen And you're taking this as, as fact when there's no way that you can know that that was fact and you're creating these other hypotheses off of the individual one, you know, the, the initial one, and you don't even realize how far out into abstraction you're going because it's built on these other things that you just take for granted. And it's, that's a, it's a very interesting point and it's something that people forget a lot of times. And it's something that I think about often when I see these, uh, News articles about oh, uh, scientists have discovered a new planet, and it's comprised of this, 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 and this, and it also has these winds that are traveling at 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 this, and it's like, and it's thirty million light years away.
2: It's better than Earth.
3: <laughs> I, I understand that, like, you guys have like ways of like looking at things and 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 and, and getting an understanding of what a, a thing that you're looking at through a telescope is. But how can you tell me that that atmosphere is thirty percent helium for thirty light years away? Like that I doesn't make any you, sense.
2: I, I know exactly what it is. I'll tell you exactly the planet. I know the planet's name. You like to hear it? I would love to. It's called Alderon. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's as just we a pile know, of dust. It's just a pile <laughs> of space dust. Great, great disturbance well, in the force. <laughs> and.
3: and 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 th- this this brings me back to another point, which is back in I think it was the '60s when they first were getting these you know telescopic images of Mars, and this was kind of where the whole you know Mars attacks thing came from. Was they had these certain images of Mars, and they were like, oh, we can see growing seasons, and we can see we can see uh, movements of populations that are
2: happening the fates. on Mars.
1: You remember the face on Mars? The face
3: what? on Mars, and like it's way all this.
2: older than that. It's way older. Is it is older than that? My my it's mistake. Sorry. Because I have a progeny. I have a great 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 uncle whose name was Edgar Ice Burroughs, and he wrote about all that stuff.
3: So my point is, is that you know that was back in the then, Back then, this was taken as fact we can see this we can see yeah, we this growing season happen we can see the the movement of these populations and then later on they find out oh that was dust moving uh those were rocks that were being blown across the surface yeah. you know n- none none of that was real and but they it was fact that's what they could see they knew, let's, it. They, let's they knew it
2: let's relate this to something that we can all identify with you know, my uncle said you could make take one of them samurai swords and you could cut a fifty caliber machine gun barrel in half with it. <laughs> you ever heard this?
4: <laughs>
2: no. You never heard of a samurai sword?
1: Uh, I, haven't, I haven't heard you can cut a 50 cal barrel in half with it
2: from WW2. Well, when I was a kid, <laughs> those guys were still alive. So they used to say this stuff and you know, that little groove in the knife, that's the blood groove. That's when you stab somebody it you can't get it out. If it had, doesn't have that groove, it's got a, it'll release the suction on it. and You can pull it out. So these are knife mythologies. Okay. And it's the same story is to sell you an idea. That's what it's for. That's what it's for. This is why it's so badass. This is why it's so great. So let's relate. This is something we could talk about. How do you sell a knife? Oh, like Would you face the face with someone? Like, how do you close the deal? I don't. I'm a terrible salesman.
1: Me too. I, I, I let the knife sell itself.
3: That's good. I like that. If, if somebody, if somebody comes up to me and they ask me questions, I'll answer the questions. You know, if somebody comes up and is like, Oh, Hey, tell me about your knives. You know, I'll tell them, you know, kind of how, how I make them, you know, the steel that I make them out of, you know, the, the geometry that I made them for, you know, what, what I had in mind when I was making them and, you know, like what, what each, the, the purpose and everything like that is. And And if yeah. somebody decides that they can identify with that and they want, you know, something along those lines, then they buy it. I don't. I don't have a sales pitch. I don't I don't try and sell people my knives.
2: Well, in a way, I, I want to I share some stuff with you because it's kind of fun. So those things that we're told, those are all sales pitches. Everything that we're told about off-world, the planets, the aliens, the, the Tesla car, whatever it is. Now, my friend's got a Tesla. It's cool. But the thing is, they're sales pitches to someone who doesn't know what we are. And you're giving them. The straight technical data. Here's what it is. Here's what I make. And that's really cool. That's honest and that's direct. And that's that's good. And people buy the knife. So there's a couple of reasons why people buy knife. So sometimes with people, like I had some of these at the show in Texas. This is a Tanto. Me and Josh, Primitive Woodsman, and Kyle, we made these. This is what I call a shop-made knife. But people pick them up and they go, wow, that's cool. I go, if you swing it fast enough. And I mean fast. You'll open up a time-space portal. Now, don't <laughs> go don't go through it because we don't know what's over there and no one's gone through and come back yet. But it can do that. But otherwise, it's made out of adcr 2 Then I give them the straight poop on it. But I have fun with it because I don't know how to deal with that kind of customer that I have to close the deal on with them. But my old technique was can you make the knife? And they go, no. I say, like, can you make money? And they go, yes. I go, give me the money. I'll give you the knife. It's, <laughs> it's a transaction. You can make, you can make more money, but you can't make this knife. And they go, yeah, you're right. So I always have fun with it because I don't care if I sell it or don't sell it. And that's my key. That's being honest and genuine about it. I'm telling fun stories that are ridiculous, but they're fun. And I don't care. I don't care if I sell it or I don't sell it, but more than not i do sell it but that took a long time i give them the technical data i give them the the uh, hey this is adcrv2 these are water jet cut we hand grind. this was ground this was flat ground this has got uh westinghouse micarta micarta was developed by westinghouse i give them the whole history of all this shit if they need to because some people are just ignorant about it i'm like okay cool you want it how much is it 350 whoa 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 that's too expensive i'm like expensive compared to what And they start giving me things. I like, what kind of car you drive? They go, I got an F-350. I was like, you you got a prescription at Starbucks. You stop there. They know what to make you every day, right? They go, yeah. (laughs) Put put my knife down. Get the hell away from my table. Don't ever come back again because you have no clue what expensive is. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not expensive relative to drinking a latte that costs $7 twice a day. I mean, do your damn math. You're not, you're obviously not a math person. If you can't $14 a day, 365 days. That's a lot of money, man. Don't tell me my knife is expensive. Get away from my table. Go away. Don't come back. Tell your friends (laughs) I suck. Go out there and tell me, Jason Jason Knight sucks and he's an ass and his knives are terrible. Go tell him. (laughs) (laughs)
4: That's
2: just the way I do it because I want to have fun when I'm at a show. And I mean, like I've. I've proven it. I mean, I've proven the thing. I've come up with my own concepts and shared it with as many people as who wants to know. I don't tell people who don't want to know, but like I invented things, I shared them and I have fun with it. So when I'm at a show, I'm just having a good time. Like when we're doing this podcast, I'm telling you my thoughts and my, and you know, it's like open whenever you do a podcast, you can really be honest. Whether people like it, care, believe it or not, it doesn't matter. But well, you're doing it because it's important. It's like, hey, I'm here. Um, I got something to say. And if you want to hear it, great. And if you don't care, I don't care either. You know? So How do you sell knives, Ryan?
1: I just make them. And then I like they them. sell.
2: That's cool. Now, do you ever go to shows? Do you guys ever go to shows?
1: I'll be at Blade this year. I'm a bit of an introvert. I hey, I don't.
2: I'm an introvert, too.
1: <laughs> but I'm happy to I, hear you say that you have fun when you come on because I received a lot of criticism in my DMs about how we handled your first interview because I didn't really ask you about knives. And no, it didn't really we didn't ask you about knives. And my my thought process on it was everybody asks you about knives. That's yeah, you know? Like yeah. why don't we just learn about I'm- Jason?
3: Those I, people I think are really going to be mad about this episode.
2: Hey, I have an Instagram. Send me a message. I generally apply. I mean, I will, unless you were say, Hello, sir. Please, sir. Please, sir. Would you like me to make you Damascus knives? Look at the Damascus knives I have. I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> No, man. I appreciate your hustle, but not interested. I'll, I answer almost every single question. And it's always funny some of the ones I get from some of the people. Again, yeah. I've gotten questions from. Post Malone, Chris Pontius. I mean, those are just like, wow! is this really the guy? Are you for real?
1: Nice, <laughs> so nice. It's always
2: funny, you know, because I'm happy to answer the question. It's just I noticed with those two platforms, Facebook and Instagram right now, they are the worst. And maybe we can talk about that for a second. Um, that's a, they're so strange and weak, so weak right now. Um, I spent a lot of time building those platforms, but they're the, oh my gosh, I could go on there and post something and I have two comments and zero likes. I'm like, no one's seeing this. I've worked a long time to build this platform. It's like, no one's, no one's seeing it or they really hate me. Now, which one is it? I don't know.
1: Yeah. uh, Yeah. Suppression seems to be a real, they consider us to be weapons manufacturers. Yeah. Which is funny because I make mostly kitchen knives.
2: Most people get killed by a knife, get killed by a steak knife or a filet knife, and rarely a chef's knife, but oh, it could shit. happen. No <laughs> yeah, one ever gets you, you killed. You actually
3: make the most deadly ones.
2: Yeah. No one ever gets killed by a you know a fancy, you know, fifteen hundred dollar fighting knife. I told you what fighters are for, right? Oh fighting, yes. poverty. fighting poverty.
3: Yep. One of my favorite Jason Knight quotes now.
4: <laughs> it's it like,
2: what's that point for? I said, piercing through car doors. if you stab somebody, they'd have to be sitting really close to the door and they would only get a little cut like this. They could close it up with a band aid. But, you know, that was a cold steel ad from the 80s. <laughs> Stabbing the knife to the car door. Like... And I was thinking, but I, I remember seeing that ad when I was a kid. I'm like, you could stab the car door. Because there was a lot of 80 movies, you know, 80s movies. You know, and a good guy would stab the bad guy through the car door with a four and a quarter inch knife like this. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous, but it's funny.
1: So what advice would you have for makers like Noah likes doing individual pieces, but I enjoy batch work. And that's that's how I've uh, I've been able to like kind of get away from my day job more and get into the shop more is because I've been taking batch orders. And I'd like to pick up more batch orders. But the one that I got, it's kind of like it happened on accident. You know what I mean? So I don't even know where to start to get another one.
2: I'm going to divide these up for you guys so it'll make really good sense. When you do end of it, you don't – I don't take orders at all um, unless it is a batch order. Strange, right? Um, my first batch order was 150 pieces from Jeez. Sporting Classics. That was 2001. And I was like, all right, I'm doing it. Now, make crazy individual pieces. They're not for someone. They're your challenge. The challenge piece. Um, always make the obstacle the way. And you'll become a better maker every single day. You'll get better and better and better. Every knife you go, I don't know about that. Now, only make it if you want to. Definitely don't make a knife you don't want to make. But if you want to learn how to make folders... Find somebody who does folders. They will happily let you in their shop say, and you might have to pay them. So what? So what if it, it might cost two grand? Take their class. You'll love it. You'll make a folder and you'll be like, gosh, I like the doing this, but I don't want to ever do it again. Or make a dagger or make a sword. Like I always like making swords. Um, <laughs> the funny part about swords is this. When you make a knife this size, people see every detail on it. When you make a sword that's got a 30 inch blade, I don't know what to look at on it they just want to hit something with it They're like can i just can we have something that we can sacrifice right now because i really want to cut something with this thing so always make both so i do this is how i make knives i make one-offs um i only take orders from previous customers who want something in my style i'd never take orders from people who like somebody just sent me a, a <laughs> they go here's my number call me i want you to make me a hunter Hey, man, I'm not being rude, but I make lots of hunters. This is one of them. It's available. You can just go to my website. I know how to make a hunting knife because I skit a lot of deers, man. I know how it works. So your version of a hunting knife is not going to be right when you say you want it designed. Like, even I got a lot of friends in a special operations community, so I'm going to go out and get myself in trouble. But... When they make, when they design a knife, I can guarantee you it's not for stabbing humans. It's going to be for like prying open a box or drawing a map in the dirt, you know, which is anyway, it's just a different concept. You know, it's a whole different idea, but make the one-offs and make batches. Take every opportunity until people see your knife and they recognize your name. That's why your knife and your name should be the same. Like, your last name and your knife company, boom, same, are close. Call your forge or your knife workshop or your studio, whatever you want to. But make sure people recognize your face and your knife together. Hey, that's, that's Noah's knife. That's Ryan's knife. I know their name. I see their knife. Add subtlety to your knives. Do big batches. Make stuff you don't want to make just to see if you like it or not in knife making. Knife making this was weird. So I'm pretty conservative. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm pretty liberal with a lot of things. So I'm a libertarian on the conservative side. But when it comes to knife making, I'm a ultra progressive. I'm the maximum level of progressive in knife making because I make knives by forging, by grinding, by CNC, by stock removal by having other people make my knives by lending my designs out to other people, by just saying, yeah, you can make it. And they make a whole nother company that I don't get a dime from, or even making a TV show that I never get paid for. But that's a whole nother thing. (laughs) I'm totally cool with sharing the ideas because I have a billion of them. I have an endless amount of ideas. And so try it. All I can say is try the idea, go forward the idea and make them make a batch to see if you like it, will make you a better make, you know. Make one off crazy thing and don't let anybody buy it. Be like, no, it's not for sale. Like, I got a folder right now that we was like, nah not for sale. Like, well, how much is it? It's like, I'm not telling you. I'll wait till somebody comes up with some crazy number and they go, how about this? I'm like, okay, I'll sell it.
1: <laughs> how? how does somebody go about landing batch orders or, or do you mean you do batches and then sell them individually?
2: No, go about landing a batch order. Um, probably the best example is there's, you have connections, whether you know it or not. So I had a lot of connections to gun companies. And um, the first one I did was Wilson combat. Wilson combat makes like the ultimate 1911 pistol and all the business. Yes. I don't care who, Nighthawk, all these guys—they make great stuff, and they're good. But the Wilson Combat is the ultimate. And so my my friends said, "Hey, we're going to start a custom line. We want to call it, you know, something exclusive. We want you to be the first guy." So I did the first one. I did 11 knives. Ten were for sale. One was for them. And and so I began to bring in other people. And then the batches got bigger. So, "Hey, what about 50?" Okay, we could do 50. So you do batches, they start off small, and they there's a turkey and cattle dog battle going on here. This is kind of funny. They're not battling, but the turkey's really serious. He's all puffed up, and Daisy's like, I don't care, you're, you're a bird, I'm a dog, this is stupid.
1: <laughs>
2: but you just do them in batches, or you offer them in batches. Hey, I'm offering five of these, they're numbered number one through five, but always put One of five. Don't do individual numbers because you get into a complexity of nerds who are esoteric in their numerology. You just got jumped, didn't you, Daisy? (laughs) 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 Charlie just jumped him. So anyway, that's what you do. You just do batches and offer. Hey, I got five pieces. I'm only gonna do these five. So and you only do like like this. Do five of whatever with a specific steel and a specific handle material, and get weird ones that are hard to get, and then don't do them again.
3: I like that, that's a good idea. Keep so nope. like... <laughs> <laughs> There's a turkey being shot at in the background here. Oh, I'm not here. shooting
2: a turkey, it's the rooster.
3: Oh, okay, my bad.
2: No, I love the turkey. I love the turkey. The rooster, I'm just shooting at his feet so he runs off. I'm not trying to... I'm not hitting him. He just... He's just an ass. I can't... He's just...
3: <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey. It's uh, it's an hour and a half in. Ryan, do we want to do uh, Florida Man? Or do we want to just skip that and go straight to the after show?
1: I'd say we go straight to the after show. Let's do it, man. All right. After show. So we're doing after shows now with the patrons our listeners sorry you can't listen to it unless you're a patron but you can still send us questions because nobody is sending us questions so and then maybe you'll get to hear it those the are
2: voice shows. texting and they can't never mind I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but jason it was awesome having you on again you're the man I, yeah, man, I, feel I appreciate like...
2: it. I, you guys got a great show. I enjoy being on, so it's always kind of fun to to come. And I appreciate
1: it. We've been referred to as mediocre and flea bags, so to hear that we are got a great show from you means something. It's great.
2: <laughs> now, on whoever said that, guess what? They don't matter.
1: No, no, we don't still matter. keep going. We keep going.
2: <laughs> All the people who said it's mediocre and fleabags, you don't matter, whoever you are. You're probably listening now. You're nothing. You're nobody. You don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> Go, right. tell it... Go tell your mom. Go tell your mom. She's right. the only one who cares about you. She probably don't even like you anyway. So whatever.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> All <laughs> right.
1: Well, with that, I'm going to play us out, and we'll catch you on the after show.
3: Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you next week.